You are listening to Win Win, a podcast brought to you by Win, women in innovation. In each episode, inspiring female innovators share stories of succeeding against the odds in a male-driven industry. Their experiences come from the startup world, innovation consultancies, and innovation departments in Fortune 500 companies. I'm your host, Zoya Kozakov, brand strategy consultant and global marketing lead at Win. Speaking about changing conversations and redefining what a product or service does is the bread and butter of the Win-Win podcast. Yet with every new voice and every new perspective, even on topics that other guests have touched on, I feel inspired and in awe of the innovation that our guests are partaking in. Today's conversation is sexual wellness, as told by the perspective of Nasreen Hasib, who is Chief Operating Officer of Unbound, a direct-to-consumer sexual wellness company. Unbound tackles the conversation around sexual wellness in a completely playful and almost exaggerated manner, which helps break barriers for a topic that can be uncomfortable. Yet in between all the sexual innuendos and articles about spicing up life behind closed doors, this company uses its blog zine to share credible knowledge about sexual education, queer-friendly medical care, and giving consent. Nisreen Hasib herself brings that same spirit. She is unbelievably purposeful, but knows when not to take herself and life too seriously. Her journey to this entrepreneurial venture is one filled with the purpose of advocacy for underserved communities and marginalized parties. Graduating from Yale University and Northwestern School of Law, she was a member of appellate litigation teams that brought cases before the American high courts, including the United States Supreme Court. After leaving her law career behind, she worked in EdTech before transitioning into her role at Unbound Today. As we continue to consider and reconsider the role of health and wellness in our own lives, I hope this episode shines a new light on an incredibly important conversation that is often left in the shadows. Hi, Nisreen. Welcome to the Win Win Podcast. Hi, thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Well, the pleasure is all ours. So if you read through your resume, a few things jump out right away. That's the jump from the law career to now being a COO of a sexual wellness company, as well as the very strong element for advocacy for equality. Before we get into your current role at Unbound, I would really love to hear more about the latter. Please share a little bit about your background in advocacy and how that's come to play such a prominent role in your life. So it's definitely a long story, but I will try to condense it um, as much as possible. You know, my journey actually really starts um, for me at a very young age. When I was 13, um, I started going to my local middle school, which doesn't seem like too big of a deal. But it was a big deal for me because I was homeschooled until the age of 13. And I'm also Muslim American. And two weeks after I started at quote unquote normal school, 9-11 happened. And I grew up in a pretty rural conservative town. But the mosque that I went to was in a college town. And a lot of the folks who went to my mosque were area space engineers. And so there was a lot of, you know, scrutiny of our mosque um, in particular. And in the wake of 9-11, there was a lot of distrust of the Muslim American community. So just starting at the age of 13, I began doing a lot of interfaith work with different 
organizations in my hometown and in my home county. Um, And I knew that in large part due to that experience and the experience of one of my relatives on my dad's side, who was actually one of the first women and first Black people to go to Duke Law, um, I knew that advocating for other people was something that was really core to who I was. So it was no surprise when I graduated from undergrad, I took a year off. Um, I did take a year off and I went and taught English and philosophy. But after that year, I ended up going to law school and choosing to focus my efforts on labor and employment law specifically, because everyone works. Work is probably the place where you spend the most time um, outside of your home. And it's also a place where it is really easy for rights to be violated. And in the workplace in particular, you know, especially if you look at folks who are lower income, you sometimes have to make a decision, you know, so whether you're going to vindicate your rights or continue to bring home a paycheck to feed your family. And so I dove into labor and employment law and ended up working for a defense side firm during my summer between my second and third year of law school. It was a really amazing experience. Um, I learned a lot. But one of the things that turned me off of defense side work was um, a particular case that I was staffed on during that summer. And it was a case in which we were defending a company against um, a class action suit that was brought by a class of women who claimed sexual harassment in the workplace. And it was really easy to see, you know, just reading the stories of these women that every single individual had true, incredible accounts of being sexually harassed in the workplace. And in many instances, these instances of sexual harassment were quid pro quos for advancement in the workplace. And that's not something that sits well with me. And the unfortunate truth is, due to the way litigation has developed in the United States in particular, when you're litigating against plaintiffs uh, who are bringing these kinds of cases, it's really easy, not really easy, but if you know what you're doing, um, you can get these cases dismissed during the early procedural stages and really force litigants to spend time and money, you know, bringing the case back again and again, if they have the energy and resources to do so. So I did not like that. That was something (laughs) (laughs) that uh, really did not square with, you know, my moral core. And so I ended up working for what's called a plaintiff side firm, where you are actually the attorney who's advocating on behalf of the people who are bringing those cases. And again, you know, it was a really amazing experience. But the question that I had was, how do I use my position to really impact people at scale. When I had that realization, I ended up connecting with someone who is now a friend and mentor, Wilson Sue, who found who was also an attorney previously. And he and I had really similar, you know, ways of looking at how we wanted to advocate for others. And he is someone who specifically uses uses his advocacy in the education space. And so we sat down for what was supposed to be a 30-minute conversation, ended up talking for two hours. And he said, so I founded this company called Learn Leo. Do you want to join? 
And I was just like, I literally have no business experience whatsoever. <laughs> Are you sure you want me to join? And he was just like, yeah, you know, I think I think you can figure it out. I think you're good. You seem smart. And I was just like, okay, I guess I'm, I'm doing this. I'm doing this. So, you know, thanks to Wilson, I made the jump into tech, started my career at his company, which, as I mentioned, is a, a tech uh, SaaS company was really fortunate to learn a lot there worked with international teams at learn leo launched the product at uh, over 20 different schools when we went live and you know was just really fortunate to have like his trust as we built the company through those early stages and then once i my fiance finished up his mba at Berkeley, we knew that we wanted to move to New York. And I actually thought about moving to into venture capital. And so I was really interested in exploring opportunities around there. But then this little company called Unbound reached out and said, let's chat. And when I had the conversation with the team, I realized that the mission of the company was very much aligned with you know, my core, because at Unbound, it is our core belief that when we give people knowledge of their bodies, we increase their agency over their bodies and increase their ability to advocate, you know, for themselves um, and to move around this world with, with more freedom. So it was, it was a little bit of a twist and a turn, but um, that's how I ended up from, you know, labor and employment law into into uh, sexual wellness. Yeah, and we'll definitely get into so many different parts of that story. But something I was curious about was that you talk about some of these ethics that you grappled with um, on the litigation side of, you know, what felt right to you and what didn't sit right to you. What were some of these decisions that you had to make for yourself that actually pushed you to take that step and take that risk, turning away from what could maybe considered more of a lucrative career? It seems really trite to say, you know, money doesn't matter because it absolutely does. But I, the thing I knew about myself was like, I grew up in a single parent household. And so I knew what it was like to live without too much. And there are, there are a couple of things that I feel like factored into like that decision-making process. Number one, I was like, 26 years old and all my belongings fit into like 10 boxes. Um, So it was really easy for me to kind of turn away from, from the law because I didn't feel bound by golden handcuffs. Number two, you know, like I didn't have a family at that point. Now I have a partner. We don't have kids, but we have a couple of cats, Um, you know, not to, to downplay that, but you know, like, the, the third thing, um, which is something that I don't talk about too often, does go back to something that is really fundamental to who I am, and that is my identity as a Muslim American. It, like, I, one of the things that is so fundamental, at least to my faith, is really thinking about what I can do to um, turn around unjust situations. And when we look at how labor and employment cases are litigated, there are very, you know, competent, brilliant attorneys on on both sides, but those brilliant and competent attorneys are sometimes, 
choosing to advocate for a position that yes, while you have a duty to zealously advocate for your client, when you take a step back and think about how you're building and contributing to the legal system, you know, as a whole and about the impact that your decisions um, to advocate for this person are going to have on others down the line. That's something that definitely caused me to like pull up short. Yes, there's like the short term benefit of like me potentially staying at a law firm and becoming partner, but there there's a there's a downstream effect. And I think it's really important for every single person to really think about how they as an individual do contribute, you know, to the way in which like we build and function in our society. I think it's something that a lot of women both early on and later on in their career experience. So definitely a a very interesting consideration. Uh, Jumping into now, you are COO at Unbound, a sexual wellness company. We've spoken about Unbound a little bit, but for those who don't know, the goal is to make sexual health accessible to all through elevated design, body safe products, affordable prices, and educational content. What does that mean to you personally? You know, for me, it's really important that people know about their bodies. And that seems like a really basic thing, but it's something that is not true for a lot of people. You know, just to give a kind of personal experience um, from my own life, my uh, partner was actually diagnosed with testicular cancer in 2017. And he and we were really fortunate because it was he was diagnosed at a really early stage. And so luckily he is now in remission, but we, he was able to get a quick diagnosis because he noticed something wrong with himself. He immediately went to his doctor and was just like, Hey, something's up. Can, can you look into this? You know, when we look at a lot of the health issues that, that people face, there are a lot of people who are not comfortable talking with their OBGYN about their bodies because when we look at, you know, and look at certain facts about the United States, which are like just super scary and disappointing, um, I think there's something like only six or eight um, states in the United States that are required to have medically accurate sexual education. And when we like think about the language that people are brought up with, with regard to like sex and sexual wellness, there's a lot more shame rather than education that is passed along to people. And that has implications, not just like for social interactions where, you know, like obviously people need to be taught like new norms about around like consent and, you know, like have open communication around like what they want with regard to like their sex, sex and like sexuality. It also has like huge implications for their health, because if you if you can't go and tell your doctor, you know, like something is wrong with me, I need you to look into it. Like that's 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 terrible. That's awful. So, you know, like at Unbound, it is really important to us that we are able to empower people to know their bodies um, as they should to provide a space for them to ask questions, to receive, you know, like accurate information or to point them in the direction of resources they can use for for their specific situation. And to do this all in a way such that people feel safe and invited 
but we also don't want to overburden them with like seriousness. So how do we also have this conversation with a touch of humor, not to invalidate, you know, what people are going through, but to like take the, the weight, the potential weight that could lie over this conversation? How, how can we inject enough humor into um, this conversation about our bodies to make people feel comfortable? Yeah. And I think it's really interesting that your company does that in a way where in your magazine, you publish really meaningful information about COVID-19 and sex and, you know, diseases that are less spoken about like endometriosis, but you also have fun with it talking about Zodiac horoscopes and their intimacy and R-rated Valentine's Day gifts and things like that. So where do you guys feel like you innovate in this industry uh, beyond what you already discussed? I think there are two primary ways in which we innovate. Uh, I'll talk about the physical product first. So when it comes to our vibrators, primarily unbound cells, vibrators, lubricants, and other sexual wellness accessories, there are a couple of core things that we consider. The first is, you know, function. What is the intent of this product? Um, which part of the body will it stimulate? Number two is ease of use. The best kinds of products are, you know, the products that you don't have to really like think about opening the manual to, to use. So how intuitive is our product? And number three, how beautiful is it? Um, and that's really something that a lot of uh, businesses in this vertical have previously not taken into account. But, you know, when you're really thinking about it's the use of a vibrator is really like this kind of dance and like conversation. So is this something that I want to pick up and engage with? Is this something that's easy for me to figure out how to use in a moment where if someone like opens a door or, you know, like, something disrupts my like setup. This is like, we have to like understand that using a vibrator for most people is already like terrifying. So how can, how can we use our, our design to really invite people to engage with that product and, and feel safe and feel as if, you know, like this is something where if they were to accidentally leave it out, it's not something that they're going to be ashamed of or, or, or horrified by. So really being very clear about intent of the product, ease of use and the aesthetics of it are, you know, something that are, that's really, really important to us. And additionally, you know, when it comes to, and this, this does relate more to, to the first point that I made when it comes to like the intent of the product. Previously, a lot of sex toys were made by men cis men and we most of the team at unbound are women or femmes or non-binary people and so we really think about how our toy toys like conform to our body how like they stimulate how they um how you know from opening the package to like charging it you know like what that entire journey looks like because it's not just about, you know, like the time during which you're using this product. There's an environment in which you are using the product. And in order for our customers' use of the product to be deemed successful by us, they they should feel like safe and like sexy and, you know, just like taken care of. So these are all things that we consider when we are designing every single one of the products on our site. 
The second way in which we innovate was something that I did talk about um, a little. It really is that that education piece. You know, so we do, as you mentioned, in our Unbound magazine, publish a lot of content um, about sex and sexual wellness. Um, but in addition to that, one of the things I just want to give a big shout out to our social media manager um, for is really like creating community because you know, it is one thing to have a company like Unbound that talks about these things, um, you know, with accuracy and like humor, but you really start to see a sea change when you can have conversations that were previously like uncomfortable, you know, with other folks, whether those are people that you see day to day or, you know, people that you interact with on online communities. And our online community continues to grow uh, each and every day. And it's truly amazing to see how people are talking about things, you know, from product recommendations to like their personal experiences and like how other members of the community are listening to those experiences on the platforms with which uh, we engage them. So, of course, this conversation, as you mentioned, has been led by cis men. And now that conversation is absolutely changing with you as being one of the women in the forefront of that, which is incredibly, incredibly exciting. But I think that's disruptive in itself. How has being a woman in this conversation been like? Have you felt those challenges or those pushbacks? And how have you dealt with them? It's been really interesting to to feel the pushback not necessarily like from people within the industry but you know when we go out to raise money um and when we go out to advertise so you know like i remember just conversations with particular vcs where they were absolutely willing to invest in like cannabis startups um and the legal status of like cannabis in certain states is questionable and yet very unwilling to have a dialogue about our business, sex and sexual wellness, because it is something they they don't understand. Like so, women, femmes, and non-binary is like people's sexual wellness is something that has been swept under the rug for, for so long. Um, and it's discomforting when that's placed at the forefront of a conversation with like a male investor. That being said, a lot of our investors are men and they're fabulous. And they've, you know, learned how to have these conversations about sex and sexual wellness as they've been on the journey with us. So like, it's, it's definitely a point of pushback that we expect when walking into conversations with um, male venture capitalists, like how many women would actually be interested in, in like sex. And I was just like, I don't know how many people are there on the face of the planet. How do you think they got here? Um, (laughs) Uh, but the, the, the second part, which is frustrating is our ability to advertise. Um, so when we look at advertising for, for sex and sexual wellness, um, a lot of people's gut reaction is just like, well, we don't want to see, you know, like vibrators and dollars on blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, that's interesting because there are companies like Hims who do sell sexual wellness products for men that have placed super phallic ads 
all across the New York subway. Granted, no one's riding the subway anymore during these times, but they're all across the subway, all across Facebook, all across Instagram. And it invites the question as to why it is okay for a company that promotes sexual wellness for cis men is greenlit to develop advertising that's a wink and a nod. It's a huge wink and nod, you know, to... Like a, a full like, smile, not even a yeah, nod. <laughs> yeah, you know, but yet um, when Bound as a company um, has commissioned art that doesn't show bodies, that only shows product and, you know, product that is not phallic, lubricant that is in a tube, um, some of our jewelry, which is more akin to like merch than, you know, a vibrator, why our accounts are automatically blacklisted. You spoke about raising money and investing. Sex tech has been so prominent in the conversation around the future of sex, the future of intimacy. I was hoping to understand more about your thoughts on that and what role does technology play in innovating sexual wellness as an industry? I think the best innovations in technology give people permission to push their edge. And, you know, when I think about the way in which we hope to advocate, you know, the conversation around like the future of sex, it really does go back to like the thought that we put into every one of our designs, because like for me, the future of sex is is not so much about folks who are already comfortable with talking about their sex and sexuality. It's about like that first time purchaser who wants to know more about themselves, about like herself. And so to, for me, it's not necessarily about, you know, developing products that we can like say control with our mind, even though that would be like really dope and cool or about integrating like, VR, AR into our products. It's really about getting that person who knows she wants to know more about herself, looping her into the conversation and giving her permission to to make that purchase, giving her permission to become part of a bigger community, to know more about sex and sexual wellness and about herself. Before I let you go today, I would love to ask you an innovation question. Where do you see yourself and your industry one month from now, one year from now, and 10 years from now? (laughs) No pressure. Cool. Um, So one month from now, we are going to be headed into our busy season. So our team is just going to be in lockdown. Um, I shouted out our social media uh, manager earlier, but now I want to shout out our, enti- our entire team because our team has absolutely killed it during this pandemic. We just closed our biggest quarter and biggest month ever at the end of September. And so my expectation is that in one month from now, they're going to continue to actually absolutely like bring it um, during our busiest season. So One month from now, we're going to be heads down, just like (laughs) working through everything. You know, one year from now, there's so much I want to share, but so much that uh, I can't share. I (laughs) I will just say that uh, we have a couple of interesting things 
up our sleeves for for 2021. So stay tuned, particularly for some new product launches that we're going to have 2021 for um, distinct communities. You know, like, let's just say accessibility is a huge thing uh, for us. And then 10 years from now, my hope is that, you know, Unbound, um, along with other companies uh, in this space, um, are like household names. Um, Because when a company like Unbound is a household name, it means that we really have had this impact on like this conversation that is starting to be pulled out of the shadows, you know, into the light where, where it belongs. Thank you so, so much, Nisreen. This was an amazing conversation, which I can't wait for our listeners to hear. Thanks so much for having me. This was delightful. Thanks for listening to Win Win, brought to you by Win, Women in Innovation, and myself, Zoya Kozakov. If you enjoy this podcast, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and visit womenininnovation.co to learn more about our organization, programming, and other opportunities. And remember, when women innovate, we all win.